0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the GenJ podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Heffington, and this show is brought to you by your friends at Generation Joshua. As we travel around the country working with young leaders, we meet all sorts of amazing people who are working to change their corner of the world for the better. If you've ever been to one of our iGovern camps, you've probably heard from some of these people, but we thought that it would be awesome if we could sit down for some in-depth conversations and get their stories on the record so that we could share them with the greater GenJ community. This podcast is the culmination of that process, and we think that you're going to find these conversations encouraging and inspiring. So go ahead, pop in your headphones, connect to your Bluetooth speaker, whatever you got to do, and let's get into today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gen J podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Heffington, and we are here with a special bonus episode of the Gen J podcast in honor of what's commonly known as Star Wars Day. In other words, May the 4th. In other words, May the 4th be with you. If you say it with a lisp, it makes sense. Um, Gen J, uh, it's no secret that, that around Gen J there's lots of love for Star Wars, and we also believe in having fun, and we also believe in the ability of science fiction to illustrate political concepts in sometimes a helpful way. So with that... We're going to spend a shorter bonus episode diving into the politics of Star Wars, and with me in the Gen J Podcast Studio today is our director and uh, resident Jedi Star Wars nerd aficionado, Joel Gruy. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, thanks for being here, and also Brant Edmonston, who you've heard from on the podcast before. Uh, he's part of HSLDA Action, and. I I guess you're a Star Wars nerd. You're you're at least a science fiction I, nerd. I I, w- I would classify myself as more of a science fiction nerd. I definitely
1: love Star Wars. I watch Star Wars. I've watched all the uh I've watched all the shows. Yeah. Um I just I will infuriate all the true Star Wars nerds on here by saying I actually prefer Star Trek,
0: mm. but I still okay. love Star Wars Do we have Wars. someone else in the hallway? Desperate. No, I kid- <sighs> I'm kidding. Um, all right. No, I get it. I. I mean, I don't. But I. That's good. We have you here, kind of more in the science fiction analysis role and politics role than the diehard Star Wars points role. Joel probably has the deepest, uh, like, book for book article for article, you know, rabbit hole for rabbit hole, Star Wars points. The nice word for that is lore. Joel, <laughs> okay. that, that,
1: that is the nice word. The, okay. the, the, Joel is the Star Wars uber nerd in the
0: office. Well, that's I, I so, Daniel, you're not far from Though me. I might actually be higher than Brant in Star Wars nerd specifically. You have more points than me in science fiction nerd, but I'm I am a pretty diehard Star Wars fan. I I know I had the Star Wars encyclopedia as a kid. I memorized all the yep. codes. I knew the address for the trash compactor. Um, you know it was
2: <laughs> I'm getting technical specs for an ATAT walker. Okay, That's there you go. Yeah,
0: for some reason. Yeah, I used to know what uh, year and what shipyard the Millennium Falcon came from. So you know. Done. Yeah. So wow. um, so you know that that stuff. You know, I, I had my days in that. So, anyways. Guys, uh we I'll be honest, listeners, we it's not like we have a huge script for this. So you're gonna hear the real workings. This is why we do the podcast. So you can hear the real workings of our brain. We're gonna be <laughs> making connections in real time. You're gonna hear possibly time. maybe I don't know, maybe it'll be really make sense. Maybe you'll hear us stretching and grasping at straws. Either way, you're here. It's live. It's well, You'll hear it, you know, once it's been edited, but it, we're not going <laughs> to cut out much. Nope. Uh, you know, if we crash and burn, you'll be riding along with us. So to start off, um, Joel, you want to give us an overview on on why we thought we could talk about politics and Star Wars in the same podcast? Well, yes. Okay. First of all, we will not talk about all of Star Wars and all of politics in this podcast. Oh,
2: rats. There is not enough Um, time. But when Lucas crafted Star Wars, he drew on what he knew. And when it came to good science fiction, governments and, and, and actors as organizations are a huge aspect of how that happens. We have our Templar knights meets Shaolin monks with mystic powers that become our Jedi order, right? We have what I would argue is functionally the Articles of Confederation on a slightly twisted way that is the galactic senate that is the republic you have an actual empire right of course these yep. things are drawn from real things in history and they function kind of sort of like real things in history with weird merges of different things so we have like the articles of confederation on one hand but at the same time the republic has you know a westminster style of government and a bunch of other randomness and so we looked at this and said hey this is the intersection of two things we love star wars and politics and forms of government and we teach that here and and we have these discussions, and frankly, you get
0: to share in them now. Absolutely, and you know, I think that also some of the premise for this conversation is when I grew up, into uh, to you know, I know I wasn't around for the initial run of the Star Wars series. I was born, I think, after every of. The, Every one of the first three movies was released. <clears throat> I was around for, you know, episode one, two, and three. But back in the day, it used to be a lot simpler to uh, understand Star Wars. Everyone knew that the, the big guy with the black helmet and the pauper, pauper type breathing, he was the bad guy. Uh, the wrinkly old emperor, he was a bad guy. All the stormtroopers were bad guys. You know, it was pretty clear. The rebels, we root for them. Luke's great, you know. And some people, at least, would say that's all become a bit murkier. And we can, we can each tip our hand if we want to As the conversation goes on If we agree or not But, you know, is it fair to say that Based on the subsequent movies TV shows, etc it's you, you have to kind of redraw the lines of Oh, okay, so anything that's Galactic government Was, is, was bad Jedi is, was Totally good uh, You know, it, do, do you think we redraw Those lines, or do you think that <clears throat> or do you want to make the case that that no it's as simple as it always was interesting okay so here's the case i would make i would ma- i would make i
2: would make the argument that your empire is bad it's ju- it's always bad it yep. doesn't mean that order is not good and the empire might bring you order but but the empire is bad right okay? a republic which theoretically provides freedom is good and trying to draw the lines in a different way i, I think frankly rejects things that are really important and should be yeah. kept. Now, does that mean that there are not bad things in a republic that are not worth emulating? That shouldn't be fair, that. They can no, we definitely address those. And same with the repu- with an empire. There might be things that are worth borrowing from that. Mm-hmm. But I think those lines were set for a reason and should stay more or less. Yeah. The people can be good or bad in those different systems. Sure, I and mean, that exists in both places, right?
1: Yeah, I, I I agree I think the lines I think the lines stay where they are but what I think that Lucas did a, a fantastic job of um, across the six movie series and I think you know he's as he's stepped away something that's uh, six series six movie series yes yes I got um that. <laughs> yeah we noticed you left off the last three <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I did anyway um <laughs> so uh, what what Lucas did a masterful job of across the six movie series uh, was that he made it um, he made it more complex. The first three movies, there's clear distinctions drawn. You have the evil empire, you have the good rebellion, and they're fighting for freedom. The empire stands for corruption, um, and and you see the protagonists, you see the good guys, kind of in their struggle for freedom and in their struggle trying to figure out exactly how we go about doing how we go about doing this good stuff um, and, and and do we reach back out to the to the bad people aka Luke still sensing good in Darth Vader, et cetera you know like there, there was some nods to the fact that not everything was bad in the Empire but the lines are fairly stark And then you go back and you see the prequels which I definitely still include mm-hmm. um, and what you see is a much more complex, uh, realistic world being built upon that very legitimate foundation, right. um, and I think
0: that's something that I really appreciate about Star Wars. I agree with both of you, and I think the what Joel, what I would say is, is I would agree that Empire is bad, and Republic is what I would say is is better. Yes, Empire is bad. Republic is better. To say good, you you know, that's it's fair. it's like it's like you know, well, okay how good does it have to be to be good how many you know yeah, yeah. shady actors can you tolerate for it to not be good but i was I, I also share something else i don't know if he's listening to the podcast but i was messaging with a gen j alum about star wars the other day we were talking about um he, his little theory um and and he knows that i love him if he's listening but his little theory was that the jedi deserved everything they got which in this case was you know Uh, mass murder was mass murder their temple being destroyed a huge being massacred yeah children being massacred um a sith lord you know the the emperor you know grabbing power over an entire galaxy in in the shadiest you know uh coup basically coup ever then trying to say that the jedi were attempting a coup and then you know exterminating the jedi order um i big (laughs) surprise didn't agree that the Jedi deserve that. And no. he was basically he was like, Well the Jedi weren't perfect and they did some shady stuff or they had some bad moments or you know and I'm like and? <laughs> Okay, I want to react to that for a second. Okay. Real quick. Because <laughs> he, who, <laughs> yes, he, he who is all. without sin, yeah. cast the first stone. stone, please. Yeah, fair, this event was like, Let
2: me get a giant rock. I'll, the, yeah. I'll
0: be honest with you. I felt like this first one was going 1619 Project on the Republic.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a little of, I oh I almost made that reference earlier. Right? But yes, you know, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so here's the deal. None of them are perfect. And I think Brant's absolutely right earlier when it's like we would redraw the Republic to understand it was a complex system where bad stuff happened. The, the Jedi of the, the first—the the, the prequels were far from perfect, okay? They had all sorts of flaws. Um, uh, that would be a different episode to list the flaws. Sure. Okay? That did not mean that they would be considered tyrannical like an empire, okay? And I think they did their, their, their fallible best— Arguably, with everybody interpreting that different, et cetera, to try and have order and freedom and safety and peace and some sort of balance of that, and they got it wrong, but they didn't get it wrong all the time. Right. We'll just look at the empire and say they got it wrong all the time. Yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> and if people will say, "Well, some people's lives got better under the empire." And what I say to that is, in every totalitarian regime, yes, some people's lives get better. That's the that's the thing we don't want to talk about. That's the that's the reason why if you can make it. 50% or above or maybe 70% or above depending on the regime, your life might be a little better.
2: Yeah, yeah. And,
0: yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, and that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: very true historically. I mean, there's a reason why every single totalitarian regime that has come to power throughout history has done so. And it's because at some point somewhere there was dissatisfaction with the status quo. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you look at every major government overthrow in history from Russia to China to most of the South American countries that are, you know, have have had major dictatorships.
2: The Middle East, France. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Everywhere. It's because government was not doing a good enough job and someone said, hey, I could do better. And the people said, you know what, if you can do better for me, I'll take it. And usually they do, for a very brief period of time. And it just goes downhill from there.
2: Now, I will say, I think that brings up an issue, though, at least for the Republic and the Jedi. One of the issues that any guardian of freedom or guardian of a free government would have is an awareness of the problems that were happening there. And one of the things that I think Lucas addresses in the prequels is that the Jedi Order, uh, kind of at the end of the Republic, was in a sense very insular. And in a sense, isolated from some of the problems. They were politically connected to a degree, but they weren't out and amongst what was going on. There was, in fact, if you go digging through the stories and narratives, there was kind of this isolation process that happened. And frankly, they weren't accessible. And when the people that you rely on to keep kind of some sort of like freedom and order are not accessible to the people that need freedom and order, you're going to have a breakdown of society real quick there. Yep. That was coupled with the fact that they actually had a fully functional, or it was supposed to be functional, political system that also was breaking down there. And that, that's something that, in this case, we have a Sith Lord that goes, hey, hey, I can use that. Mm-hmm. And then he did. Yep. And that's the danger of when that, those structures and processes start failing that Lucas is highlighting, and maybe unintentionally, but he's highlighting. When those start to break down, the opportunity for someone to take advantage of that grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean
1: I think that I don't know if we I think there's definitely points to be made that the Jedi did not help the republic as much as potentially they could have. However, I feel like I would personally lay a lot of the blame of the breakdown of the republic at the feet of the galactic senate oh, and certainly. its insufficiency. I think the the Jedi you know not not to step into real world too much but but the Jedi were the were the Military might, such as it was, of the republic, and that is always subservient in in government systems where it's functioning properly. The military is always subservient to the political, and the political problems that we saw and the the political indecision, like you see in episode one, which kind of starts the whole mm-hmm. thing off. Mm-hmm. Um, the political system couldn't deal with people inside the system acting out. And they didn't have the will to, they didn't have the will to do anything about it. That's
2: not the Jedi's fault. No. Well, they they say it like at one point I think uh, Amidala is talking to um, uh, kind of his, her crew at one point They said, "If we take this to the courts, it'll take years, decades, something like that." Right, like, right. which means their court was significantly less functional than ours. Right. It means we know in, in Episode One the reason a diplomatic shuttle gets sent with the Jedi to deal with the Trade Federation blockade. Um, I mean, it's a blo- it's an invasion, people. Yeah. I mean. Send the navy. Oh wait, they barely have one. Okay, they, let alone an army. They have no army. They have no standing ability to repel. That's a big part of, of episode two yeah. is is making that, and it's it's assumed that making that army is the bad thing. Which to be fair, clones, tampering, and all the other stuff, right? But but they had no capacity to respond, yep. and they were
0: functionally crippled already. Yeah. Now let me let me do this because I think we we should hone in some on the on the politics of of the galactic uh the, the republic mm-hmm. and then transitioning to the galactic empire okay um to to do this subject justice i will give the very brief film overview which, as we've already said, Joel can go much deeper than that. Brent can go good be deeper than that, and I can go at least some deeper than that. But most people, if they've watched the Star Wars movies, especially the one episode one, two, three prequels, you have the uh, Galactic Republic. You have um, a a Senate that is massive. Like I, I don't know how many seats they have in there, but they they move around with you like know hovering yeah. hovering yeah. pods in in a stadium sized Senate chamber, if not. If not even bigger than that, I'm pretty sure bigger than that. yeah, probably bigger than it's a huge. stadium.
2: Yeah, 500 Coruscant was huge.
0: Yeah, it's it's nuts. And so um, That's the address. I'm a nerd. Oh, it's the yeah. Ad- oh no, right, nice, right, nice. Um, so yeah, this capital planet, Coruscant, this this you know, epic Senate. You had the Jedi with their whole Jedi Order and temple, but but you know, I, I agree, Brand, that the Jedi were were functionally. Um, like like they were a bit more official than say like, you know, a, a special forces team or something. But they that was kind of what they were. They were they were like they were like a, a slight diplomatic league meets, you know, some highly trained warriors. They weren't exactly running the show. Mm-hmm. Um I think over time, and Joel, you might be able to speak to this, different chancellors who which which at that point the highest office in the republic was Chancellor, right. and the Chancellor was uh, democratically selected from, I think, amongst the the Senate itself. They would Correct. the Senate would vote on on the Chancellor, mm-hmm. and we we enter it with uh, Chancellor Valorum, Valorum, right? So yep. we have Chancellor Valorum Correct. in the beginning of the prequels. Um, pretty soon, uh, Senator Palpatine from the planet Naboo. Um, who we actually find out later is, is the guy pulling the strings behind everything. He's the supervillain. He's the emperor, eventually. He suggests that Chancellor Valorum isn't doing a great job. We should get rid of him. Uh, that is actually successful. They rope in some uh, kind of unwitting parties who were duped into helping with that. They get rid of the old chancellor who, you know, had his issues, but he was, uh, you know, depending on how you view it, c- kind of trying to help out what we would call be the good guys at some pla- at some junctures along the way. Then Chancellor Palpatine comes in. Mm -hmm. And then when we get into episode three, there's a ton of tension because this whole army has cropped up. Mm -hmm. Like you referenced Joel, you got your clones. Um, That was, we can talk about that even a little bit, how that was shady in itself. And they they were basically faced with a, this happened completely rogue, uh, unilateral decision that never should have happened. And we basically either have to expose it as a massive leak and, and collapse of our infrastructure or we have to take credit for it right. and say yeah we oh yeah we knew that's of course totally we ours. knew about this of course this, we. this was ours you know yep. Yep. and that's where you get some of that pride and arrogance accusation going on there maybe towards the Jedi maybe also towards the Senate itself sure they're like uh, how embarrassing would it be for the word to get out that someone had commissioned a entire generations long army. For the entire galaxy, for the entire republic, and we didn't know, and we didn't know. Yeah, that's awkward. That's a you know? government oops on yeah, a pretty big yeah. level yeah. of oops. Could right. have could have had a clean slate. You know, yeah, everyone like, could have lost their next election. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. six you know, hundred thousand units ready and a million more well on the way. Like, yeah, so yeah, that yeah, yeah, level yeah. of oops. No, no, that's <laughs> a big, yeah, that's a big. oops. You're, that's a lot of oops. So, <laughs> so you know, so so Palpatine is in there. Um, he's now the Chancellor. Trying to play both sides. We mm-hmm. actually find out eventually he's also f- stoking the fuels of the what at that point would be the Rebellion, which would be the Trade Federation. The Federation of Independence, um, the CIS, or yeah, the Separatists. Yeah, yeah the yep. Separatists, that's right, the Separatists, yeah, because the Trade Federation was one of the Separatist groups. Yep. Um, in the Clone Wars, we see how there are some sympathetic parties in the Separatist movement. By and large, a lot of them are kind of Not. fairly evil, yep. you know, mer- uh, mercenary, yep. opportunist people working with Palpatine. And then in episode three, we have the big, the big takedown where, uh, the Jedi get wind that there's a Sith in close proximity to everything happening in the Republic. Yep. Uh, stuff starts to go down. Um, it's, it's, you know, found out that his Anakin Skywalker is getting chummier with Palpatine. Things start to slip and Palpatine kind of tips his hand that... Maybe he's the Sith, and maybe, maybe. he should be, you know, because at that point along the way, we get we get the classic line of where he claims emergency powers. And Correct. he needs to be not just a, you know, chancellor, but like a su- supreme chancellor? Supreme, is that what supreme ch- chancellor. Supreme yep. chancellor, which is like, you know, chancellor... It's like premium edition. It's like, edition. Think it's the, like yeah. a governor during COVID. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You went there. Yeah. Yeah. I, am the, yeah. Oh, I yeah. am the state governor. Right. 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 Of- Kinda so he gets like so he goes on a power trip. Yep. He becomes, you know, he adds a gold star to his chancellor name, he's leveled up. It reminds me of uh, in Aladdin when Jafar does his like costume change and he was yes. like normal Jafar, then he was a Sultan, and he's like, no, I just want to be what I used to be, but even better. And right. now he's like Jafar with gold shoulder pads. You know, so like so the you know <laughs> in this case, lightsabers and Sith Lightning. Right, yes. right, right. So now we've got our Supreme Chancellor. Then uh as they realize that he's actually a Sith, the Jedi start to move into action. Uh, Anakin feels very torn because he's not comfortable with, you know, kind of summary execution of his friends-slash-mentor. You know, he's been manipulated Slash the whole time, but, you Sith know... Lord right, yeah. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Slash threat to their entire existence. Um, uh, details. You know, but then... So Anakin steps in, makes a mess of it. Then the Emperor, or, you know, Supreme Chancellor now, says, I've been attacked. It's left me scarred and deformed. And the Jedi attempted a coup. Yes. So now he's... Got the sympathy vote. He's got the oh! Can you believe how bad these Jedi were? You know, some of you didn't like them, anyways. They were really plotting moral high ground. Yeah, quote unquote moral high ground. Plays the victim card. We all know that Obi wan really had the high ground. Totally that. But um, you know, that's yeah. So the the this goes back to the isolation issue, right? If you don't know them, you can't defend them, right? And so that so all, all of that happens. That's kind of what we're talking about. What needs to be said about? these junctures, and wh- where could things have gone differently, and what would have helped at different points along the story? Well, you got a couple things going on here. First
2: of all, the way your senate, your senators are chosen and comprised have a huge factor in how that's made up. I mean, it's understood. There is no... What's the quote from Palpatine? There is no civility, there is only politics. Uh-huh. And he's talking about the composition of the Senate at that point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand worlds were represented in it, but in a lot of the cases... <clears throat> The people that are there, you're not seeing what we would consider statesmen, right? right? You're not seeing people that are looking to do the best for their people. There's definitely some of those, like you right. get uh, you get a couple groups that are that, but you also know there is groups that are entirely trade federation and or all um, dedicated to just whatever they can get out of it, and they're basically there to try and milk the system and to play the rules. and uh, And when that happens, the system breaks mm-hmm. right and but but the breakpoints were already there it honestly didn't this sounds horribly like not star wars canon to say it didn't take a genius to figure out how to break the republic senate when those many that many fault lines were there yeah. honestly Palpatine doesn't have to be a genius to go huh if i push that crack the whole thing shatters right i mean add other powers to it but in right. a sense the, the fault lines are very there yeah um and so in one sense he just capitalizes on them in quick succession are those fault lines there in every republic I think those fault lines are always at risk of being there. Okay. Okay. So I think those fault lines exist as a temptation in any sort of, in any sort of representative body or any sort of electoral system. So could, sorry. Could, can you define
1: those? Are you talking about a specific set of fault lines, or are you talking about the fact that fault lines will exist in any republic?
2: Yes, and I think fault lines will exist of, of a lot of different types: cultures, uh, economies. Uh, different, uh, values, principles, etc. Competing, but, interests, competing interests, But there's also an element of, of people electing representatives or choosing their representatives who are actually dedicated to principled good
0: mm-hmm.
2: versus their own interests. Basically character matters. Character matters, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're looking at Newt Gunray. He's not really out there for the Newt Gunray people, right? I mean, yeah. Except for Newt Gunray himself, right? Like the Trade Federation people, uh, in a sense, that was also like corporate representation and we can get into that if we right. want to, but you're not looking for character, there. There's a group that cares, but at a certain point, by the time they get themselves organized, they're probably a minority at this point, mm-hmm. or they're really close to being. That's dangerous. What's the quote about good men needing to organize to prevent bad things from happening? There's an aspect of that coming into play here that they weren't doing.
0: Do you think that uh, if those fault lines are a threat of existing... So, so I guess what I'm saying is it sounds like what you're talking about is the difference between basically a structure cannot compensate... ...or replace character. Never. Now, that being said, governments like the U.S. government... ...you know, our founding fathers wrestled with those ideas for a long time... Mm-hmm. ...and tried to create a system of checks and balances... ...that would basically say, let's assume... ...that character is not going to be presumed... Exactly ...in every right. situation. Exactly which, right. ...which I think is, you know, important. And we, we have a system that tries to compensate for that. And, and yes, we do. Know, you know, I, there's some people out there who say... ...who believe that government... Is a necessary evil. I think that here at Gen J, we don't exactly believe that. It doesn't tend to line up with what Scripture says about government. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but there can be a healthy dose of remembering that evil exists, that, that we live in <laughs> yes. a fallen world, and not assuming that our leaders, representatives, anything, are going to be angels.
2: Right. So to answer, okay, to, to run down that line, I see what you're wanting, what, what you're yeah. trying to ask. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really important is some sort of system of, we call it checks and balances, right? Yep. Where it is in, let's say, Daniel, let's say you, me, and Brandt are a government, right? And it is in your interest to make sure that I'm not abusing my power and it's in, and to make sure Brandt's not abusing his power. Now, it's in Brandt's interest to make sure that m- myself and you aren't doing right. the same thing. And the three of us can hold each other in a sense of balance, right. allowing each other's both self interest and good character as it comes into play to help check the excesses or failures of the others. Sure. That that healthy tension there keeps things in check rather than a, hm, I am the Senate and I do whatever I want because eventually right. you get to that. Right. right. Um, or it, it, it what happens is it first becomes a large group and then it becomes a smaller group and then it becomes a one.
0: Yeah.
2: That that's, that's your tyranny arc. Yep. And then you have to push it back the other way, but it's much harder and much bloodier to undo yep. that, which brings
0: us to the empire probably. <laughs> it's true. But to, to say on the Senate for just a minute, um, can we talk about the lure or the 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 promise or or the whatever of a more centralized totalitarian totalitarian implies that they're kind of abusing their power but central but, government but overly strong central government sometimes even sometimes even centered into one individual which is where The Republic gets to right before it kind of crashes, or you know, if you're on Palpatine's side, would just say evolves into the beautiful (laughs) Galactic Empire, better than we've ever been before. Right. Um, But there's a key moment in Episode Three where our our you know amazing uh, uh, Padme Amidala, you know, uh, you know, says. Uh, I I don't want to butcher it and I know that Joel you, you can give it it's to okay can you give it to it's us okay no no please right. she basically says so this is how democracy. democracy dies to thunderous applause that's functionally it right yeah that's exactly that's right and so notice there w- she was right there was thunderous applause as yeah. their democracy yeah. died yeah sometimes it's like that's a little chilling and a little bit telling because it's like how will we know too far you, you, you know it's you know, and of course yes it's very con, it's very it's a movie over, it's over yeah. well, it's a movie and it's also overdone in politics to use the uh the frog in a pot of boiling water analogy yep. everyone yeah. in every debate uses that yeah but that's a great example of it where it's like at, things have gotten so bad things have gotten so uncomfortable that by the time this guy comes in with this really bad power move uh it's they're all cheering they're all applauding yeah, yeah. it's relief there's two things going on there. And I want to talk about how I think that temptation can can grip any country at some point. Two, we also have the what you're saying, the character matters is that, you know, he was also just an outright duplicitous, evil scheming person. Yes. So those people can still impact stuff. So, oh, yes. so you know, let's talk about both sides of that. One is the the situation where any even a, you know, quote, good hearted dictator, you know, a benevolent dictator comes in, that can be met with relief. Mm-hmm. uh for a minute and then you also have the whole what if there's a you know absolute scheming jerk trying to manipulate us all behind the scenes it's
2: not just it's not just the bad person doing it it could even be someone who's reasonably well intentioned exactly yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think i mean sorry i don't Please. To bother, I think that i think that
1: i mean we kind of addressed this or at least touched on it earlier where you know exactly what you were saying the vast majority of of major totalitarian states have started on the promise that your life will get better. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the people who were leading the charge on that actually believed it to a greater or lesser extent, you know. Yeah. You now, you might have been, you know, they they might have been megalomaniacs but that doesn't mean they didn't believe that they had something to offer, right. They thought they genuinely believed the world would be a better place if they were in charge, right right? So I mean, that's that's tr- that's been seen and is true throughout history. And so I think that the the key to combating that in general is just to understand the principle that no one individual organization, business, government entity can control, that much it's just a fact of you know like it this is this is a hard thing for some people to understand um, because it doesn't necessarily make sense but the most informed individual or group cannot keep in keep in balance all of the things that happen naturally in and amongst people And economies. Like, if you're going to talk about, like, what is best for people, it's when everyone has their needs met. And when you have your needs met, when you have enough resources to supply those needs and resources have been proven to be supplied by economy, economics, that kind of thing. Right. And so, you know, just from a, you know, not to, not to make it, not to take it too far away from Star Wars, but like. Throughout history, almost every single major revolution has been started because of bad economic situations, bad yeah. bad economic policies, or oppressive economic policies from the government. Right. Yeah. So I think that if you if you take that into a if you take that back to Star Wars, um, how did all this get started? Well, Naboo was getting starved out by another planet and they didn't have the resources to defend themselves and why didn't they have the resources to defend themselves because they were part of a galactic senate and the galactic senate wasn't defending them so they were relying on a body that could not do its job Mm -hmm. because it was so big um what they you know and and that kind of takes us back to the just the general problem of the Galactic Senate and centralized government—not mm-hmm. even from a totalitarian perspective, but just from a general perspective. Yeah, it's the difference between—it's um, kind of federalism. The the you can draw parallels to the United Nations, you can draw parallels to the European Union, you can draw parallels to the Articles of Confederation. Basically, you have all these planets that are relying on this one very distant, very you know. Uh, powerless functionally Mm -hmm. body to supply a lot of their needs and it couldn't do it. It it couldn't balance all of the needs of all the places. And the best way to make sure that you as a a planet, as a government, as a society have what you need as a state, as a community on the state level if you're going to bring this back into normal life is hey we need to make sure that that we're taking care of this stuff that's our responsibility it's yep. it's you know you, you can't leave up to a big centralized power everything because they won't be able to keep it balanced yep. and that's true in history and it's shown masterfully as a problem and probably the major problem that the, the Galactic Republic has is that it is so big it's so distant and it,
0: it ultimately is too powerless to actually Fulfill its promises. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree, and Joel, you might be able to speak to this, but the other factor here, in and Joel, I mean, Brant, what you're saying is exactly true, which is they had this kind of enormous size of government, mm-hmm. and at some point, if government is supposed to, and mm-hmm. they had they had enormous size of government, a ton of members, it occupied you know insane amounts of space, and it was being looked to to provide. Functionally, all the legitimate and even probably some less legitimate functions of government. Mm-hmm. The, if Nabu had an army of Nabu, they would have been able to feel a little more safe at home mm-hmm. fighting off a blockade. You know, mm-hmm. they had yeah. like their security forces, but, but they that's were called a police units, right? Yeah, that's, right, police. Exactly. That's not, and yeah. so, so you know, we see in, in history that if you're going to make it very centralized and you're going to look to it. For everything or most things, there's kind of a a narrow continuum where it basically becomes... It's easy to fall off the edge either side. It's easy to fall off the edge. So you either have to say, okay, we're going to look to you for everything, and we're going to give you all the power, and it is basically a dictatorship, and then we see how there's the problems with that as well. Mm -hmm. Or you go the opposite, and you say, we're going to be decentralized, we're going to have... You know, at least checks and balances, at least federalism where we'll we right? have where we have, you know, some regional overarching. Yeah, regional yeah, yeah. as well as, you know, national or federal, or in this case galactic. galactic. <laughs> you could also get into an interesting side thread here, Joel, about is there a size that's too big for a country or, or a gov- or or a government? And that's interesting because then you know, we have we've had empires on Earth. Mm-hmm. We've also, you know, we're part of the United States of America, which is uh, not the definitely not the biggest landmass of country uh, on Earth, but but it's not small. No, and and we are made up of you know you know tons millions of population covering uh, th- the breadth of an entire continent. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're talking as a tiny country here. But no. you know I'm asking, no. is there a part where it's just it doesn't matter your structure? It's too big, or or if we have the right principles of government. Could you feasibly have a, you know, not, not to get all end times here, but you know, a, a one world a one world government, empire, you know, or, or empire that was just like so, ah. so well run because you, you know Okay. Okay, so short answer to that question.
2: Right principles of government and the right people. Mm-hmm. You would need some of both. Both, and I'm not talking to the individual leaders, I'm talking both the population as a whole. Yeah. Is it possible? Yes. Is it plausible? Less so. Um, yeah. there's at a certain point you hit critical like Things fail, and it's big enough; they all connect to each other. That that can create all sorts of problems. Now, I I will I'm going to go down the rabbit hole for just a second, okay? On the fall of the Republic, because I want to I want to note something that I think most of our listeners, unless you're really a nerd, you may not know. Okay, the Republic before the pre, the, the kind of the the, um, the first three episodes, as it were, at one point had an army. They okay. had a navy. They have the the Jedi actually had military rank. They had a full fleet. In fact, they had Jedi lords, battle masters, generals. All this. I mean, it was it's a totally different thing. Okay. In fact, if you go watch the current series they're putting out called The High Republic, they talk about that. Okay, um, and the at a certain point they engage in what's called the Rusan Reformation, which is basically the end of the Sith War. They think they've defeated the Sith forever, and they do this military drawdown, which dismisses and dim- and diminishes that and basically creates a galactic bureaucracy,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but without the law and order components, particularly the like lawful order force projection components that governments traditionally are responsible to have. Mm-hmm. And they, subject- they, they go from having a military to a police, and the Jedi move from being warriors, like in the military sense, with other responsibilities, to police force, which is like what happened on Naboo. They have a police force but not a military, right? That gives rise to these internal... Quasi-military, mm-hmm. like mercenary units that run around, um, but they also. But the reason they did all that was they assumed they had defeated the Sith and the Sith were gone and forever, ever, forever, totally, and never would come back. Right. Which was a bad assumption to start with. Um, short of a perfect king in a perfect world, and you know Jesus coming back. You know, evil never actually dies. Right. It's right. Kind of what's the What's the uh, What's the quote from Witch in the Wardrobe*? If you ever seen a witch that really died, they come back. Right. Like yes. there's this idea that yes. like, like evil continues to pursue and and they. Willfully put
0: down their guard mm-hmm. and they pay for it in um, in those six so yeah. So you're making the case for a strong national defense being being an actual value. Yes. Yeah. And and conservatives traditionally have yeah. held that. Yeah. that like law and order
2: and security are the are one of the responsibilities of government because then you have a safe place where right. the market and the economy and all of those things, the rest of the stuff you need can function. But without that, if you can't keep external stuff from really hurting it, yeah. okay. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have freedom to travel and borders and trade, and we can do that at a different time. But without something to be able to say, I'm sorry, these are our people, and you may not right. hurt them. Yeah, so you're going to just sovereignty. Sovereignty, yeah. 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 You're yeah. going to start having issues. And you will eventually land with a, a failed state, yeah. which is what the republic eventually did.
0: And I think that that actually kind of ties into the, you know, is there a size of government type thing where basically prob- probably it has a lot to do with how much you can actually practically – be responsible for in the sense of have adequate defense for. Mm-hmm. Not not just kind of not mm-hmm. just kind of say oh, can't we all just be one big happy family and work things out in the Senate? The answer but, is no, right you, at some point. But basically, but basically <laughs> say, well, say, you know I, I wanna follow up on that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, continue, yeah but, but you know, but basically say, yeah, I'm gonna I, This is our government. We hopefully got there for just right, you know, free reasons with, you know, good elections and accountability and all that. But we can also actually back up our people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's even like Brant referenced a minute ago. We see these things playing out when you have things like, you know, the EU or even the UN where it's like using UN troops, we do it. But nobody, nobody's, nobody's sleeping better at night because of the UN the UN uh, armed delegations and troops. Dirty know? little secret:
2: there are no UN troops. There are other countries' troops. The UN borrows. Right. So even yes. there, the yes. UN hasn't even pulled it off. What they're yeah. doing is they're they're borrowing the people who do bother to have an army. Right? right? Exactly. I'm yeah. Right, yeah. But no, it's true. Yeah. Side yeah. note, Grant.
1: Well, well, I was just I don't know, kind of, kind of. You you all have like touched on it and danced around it, but I figured I would just like make it hopefully a crystallize little bit, it a little, for us. Yeah, crystallize Please. it just a little bit. Basically, regarding, is there a government that is too big? In a theoretical sense, no. It's all a question of roles. So, if we just look at at, at the way the United States works, for example... um, We have a system of federalism. The federal government is responsible for certain things. The state governments are responsible for certain things. And the federal government, when it stays in its lane, doesn't really step on people's toes. And the state governments, when they stay in their lanes, they don't really step on people's toes. And that works. A country with as broad and diverse interests as the United States, it it can make that work. Um, but that's because the federal government has a role the state governments have a role the the local governments have a role everyone has a role and when a government has a proper and specified set of roles then it can fulfill those roles and not mess with people mm-hmm. um, you could
2: but it's, it's all add layers above and below right, that as it's,
1: it's not about it's not about size it's about diversity of interest and structure. So for mm-hmm. example um, you know, Russia has a huge landmass. Don't worry. I'm not about to hold them up as great examples of, you know, how government should work. What I'm simply saying is it's it's not about the size of the country. Theoretically, if all of Russia had the exact same climate and, you know, 90% of their population were farmers— and 90% of their economy was based on agricultural exports and various and sundry other things, you could probably have a a much more monolithic, centralized, single-interest government, um, simply because there's only one interest. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not how it is. That's not how it is in most countries. So, like, for example... The galactic senate it's trying to juggle the interests of what, a thousand planets yeah with a thousand you know a thousand different ecosystems yeah. and, and you know economies and yeah. whatever um so what was the galactic senate's actual role if their role was literally to say we are going to i don't even know uh we're going to maintain a military against intergalactic right, opponents. Right. Well, everyone can probably get on board with that yeah. theoretically and participate. Yeah. But if it's we're going to defend planet A against planet B that's all inside the same thing. Right. That's a huge that's a huge problem. Right. Because now all of a sudden who's deciding who
0: gets to take over who and do we put this up to a vote every time right I mean, you it's, know, it's like, like right. say texas say texas decides to go to war with oklahoma <laughs> what does dc do you <laughs> know right, yeah right.
1: And, and that's that's a very un that's a very untested like you know i mean there's you know I think there's. I think we can all sort of assume what would happen if that if that kind of thing occurs. But yeah. like,
2: I mean, no. well, and we and we put in our constitution. By the way, those lines get drawn, and then only someone above you can change those. You don't get to change that on your own. Right. Because exactly. We exactly. That would
1: be really bad. Right. We. we yeah. Right. So so unless a, in, un, unless and a state move. decides. Oh, yeah. and and by the way, guess what? States are not allowed to have their own standing militaries. Right. So that's another thing. You know, it's not part of the state's role. So it's like, okay, if we're going to say. Everyone in the entire galaxy Needs to be demilitarized Only the galactic senate Is allowed to have a military Then suddenly the trade federation Isn't blockading Naboo And we don't have a problem But see that wasn't the case Because of course a thousand planets Aren't going to say Yeah we're all giving up our weapons Just like all the countries in the EU Aren't saying yeah we're all giving up our militaries That's just not happening So it's a question of roles And the problem is the bigger you get The harder it is to have a functional government
0: That has appropriate roles. Right. at that level. Yeah, that makes any type of sense. And I agree I agree 100%. I think that that's where the I don't think there's a, there's a number size. But I think there's definitely it's a It's an interest size. There's an interest size and there's a just kind of a attention size whereas mm-hmm. basically like, you know, cuz I think I think the trouble they got into is that in some ways they were trying to be that federal government yeah. for the entire galaxy right. with all these planets and all the you know, it, and, but they still had their militaries they still had all that so i yeah. totally i think that's a great analysis and they assumed that they
2: could from a central site site tell everyone how to act yep. and that that would be appropriate in every place way type sh- you know time shape yeah. etc and that it's not true yep. there there's you you write those guidelines at a, at a the higher you go the more general the guidelines have to be written yep. and then they get implemented at a more precise level as they work their way down yep. that happens it should happen in any sort of good federal system of government. Uh, it was as that doesn't happen, bad things occur. Yep, like an empire. That's true.
0: And you know, I mean, I think I think uh, I think it's probably dun, time dun, to. Dun. Dun, dun. Yes, exactly. I think I think to to segue there, we probably need to land the imperial cruiser on this conversation pretty soon. Yeah, we do. But are there any final thoughts from either of you?
1: we on or under the imperial cruiser
0: <laughs> we are <laughs> we are sitting on top of it in the millennium falcon Great. okay yeah. i like that
2: <laughs> okay so I, I wanted to talk about the uh, imperial government for just a second okay. because okay. there's frankly a lot less insight yeah. because it functions as um, at least for the little bit that the lucas put into it it functions as a military dictatorship yeah. right okay yeah. there but but there are some nuances you have the Grand Admirals, and you have the Grand Moffs. Mm -hmm. And we see Grand Moff Tarkin being a classic example. Grand Moff had military uh, control in the same way that a Secretary of Defense as a civilian has military control. The Grand Moffs were not traditionally a purely military thing, although they had rank. They... Actually oversaw the entire sector. The grand admirals in the fleet then implemented that, right? So they had you had your your kind of quasi civilian, if you want to call that civilian control of military, in right, there. Right. Um, and then you had an imperial senate, which is mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. You know, as, as it's dissolved. As it's being dissolved. <laughs>
0: as, right. Okay. As it's being dissolved, and as their you know chief uh, right hand man, you know whatever for the for the empire for the emperor is like chasing down a senator yes. to torture her with a torture droid. Well, to be fair, senator's daughter but yes think. that's well, that's true. You're no, right. No, part of, part of you're right. right. no, she was part of, part of the Senate. Of the she, she was a okay. Senate. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she no. was. was okay, right. good. I thought my memory no. was no. failing no. me you're there. because yeah. he says you're not on some mercy mission this time. Which I also I wanted a whole episode about Leia's mercy missions. It's in the Clone Wars. You should totally watch it. It's great. Okay, it. really wasn't a mercy mission. Yeah, no. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I watched all the Clone Wars, so I knew that wasn't Nonetheless. Nonetheless.
2: Okay. The Imperial Senate, which, and the Galactic Senate, which, by the way, I had to look this one up because I couldn't remember. It was over 1,000 senators. Wow. Okay. 1,024, at least when it was originally set up, and that probably changed a little bit. I knew that 1,000 number sounded it, right. It was in there somewhere. <laughs> it was a little over that. But the the imperial senate which gets dissolved was the essentially head nod to a still somewhat free society which is pretty common with your tyranny where you're building there's a national assembly that doesn't actually function we have elections Hitler had the Reichstag had the Politburo right 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 right, right. okay so like you know so that exists that is a troublesome so it goes away right because they apparently have like they want to do stuff. Keep in mind, yeah. the, the purpose of every committee is to take over the world, in this case, the galaxy. Right. You leave it existing long enough, it's going to try and do something again, right. which Palpatine was obviously well aware of. Yeah. Um, that happens. But as that happens, they move to that what they call sector governors. That Those are your grand mofs, right, <laughs> who rule the 1,024 sectors. Then yep. they do over sectors, and yep. they, they stack it together because it gets too unwieldy. But then... Leia makes the comment that as he tightens his grasp, talking to Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through yep. your fingers, right? This is the, the, the famous encounter on the, the observation deck of the Death Star, on um, the destruction of Alderaan. That being said, they are correct. You see people go. I'm sorry. I wish to be free, and they start to leave. Okay. Yep. Um, you see the Mon Calamari, which is Admiral Akbar and the, you know, the squid head dude mm-hmm. and whatever. The famous line being, "It's a trap." Yeah, yeah. Okay. That him and his entire his entire race rebels. That's yeah. where the rebellion gets their ships. Okay. The Corellians never got along with anyone anyway. They just did whatever they want. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're kind of like the Vegas of like Star Wars. Yeah. Anything goes there. Um, and so they have their different people, but there's there's an entire movement that goes not that. Yeah. Um, and, and you see people start to form a rebellion to say, you know what, actually this whole central control thing, not so much. I think I want that freedom and I want it back sooner rather than later. And so yeah. you see Mothma and you see um, the, the, the different senators that come in, Ilblis, etc., that become this attempt to rebuild it. And then you see the difficulty, which if you go watch, for sure. example, Rogue One, sure. the hard work mm-hmm. it takes yeah. to try and get those freedoms back and the frankly horrific decision points sure. you're, getting, you're being put in place of. Because they didn't bother to guard that freedom well to start with. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that being said, there's some interesting stuff about that. Yeah. But largely, you had a straight-up dictatorship. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly... Ruling uh, want, with an iron fist. Ruling with an iron fist. Yeah. And you had two groups. You had the Imperial Navy, and army, right? Okay. You had the, the Grand Moffs oversector, sector. And then you had something called Compnor, which is essentially the secret, like the, the ideological secret police of the empire. Um, and it's very much like the Revolutionary Guard from Iran or Iraq or some of those groups who would go down and basically look for loyalty tests and right. kill people when they fail them. Yeah. And they were the secret police. And that that's how he maintained his hold. And they were scary. Yeah. Because you can't hold it any other way than that. At a certain right. point, that entire empire built is built and whole and lasts on fear. Yep. And then some people... Stop fearing. Yep. Or they there's something, more, there's something they
0: love more than what they fear. And then you see that conflict begin to happen anew. Anyway, there. Hey, the I think there. that's awesome. I like it. Thank you, guys. And uh, if you're a Star Wars nerd, I hope you enjoyed this. If you have no idea what we're talking about, don't worry. We have more episodes coming soon. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Hey, friends, if you enjoyed today's episode of the GenJ podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, most of the other major podcast sites and apps. Uh, if you really liked the show, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review, uh, hopefully a good review to help other people find it. Uh, this is really helpful when we're starting out with a new show to help people connect with the podcast who are already listening to similar podcasts. We would love to stay in touch with you. So shoot us an email at info at or follow us at Generation Joshua on Instagram and facebook we will be back soon with another episode